from the Tulsa world. This is the newsroom podcast. I'm editor Jason Collington uh, here to kind of help you with the stories behind the stories at the Tulsa world. I've got Tim Stanley with me today. Tim Stanley is one of our veteran, one of the best writers uh, in journalism. If you ask me, uh, we have had him tackle some big, big projects over the years. And one of the biggest and one of the most popular series he ever did for us is about the very tragic uh, Girl Scout murders that happened in Oklahoma. And uh, he did a series uh, a couple of years ago that kind of for the first time really put it all together. And we had some news on that case. It is still a officially a cold case, if you will. Uh, but Tim broke some news uh, earlier this week uh, about what happened. Uh, Tim, uh, kind of catch everyone up if they've not heard what the big news was uh, that, just, that just came out. Okay, yeah, uh, Jason, you bet. The, the big news uh, this, this last week was that uh, the, the authorities made public um, the results of some DNA testing related to the case. And um, that, uh, the testing that, uh, that, they, that they talked about actually uh, did provide, I think, some significant information. Um, you know, the long time primary suspect in this case, as anyone who is familiar with it, you know, knows, uh, was the late uh, Gene Leroy Hart, um, who was actually tried and acquitted, um, but then died shortly after in prison on unrelated charges. Um, the, this, this testing, the results that they've uh, just made public actually did result in some partial profiles that matched him. Um, while at the same time, uh, they were able to exclude with these partial profiles, several other suspects who had not been previously excluded. So um, this, I mean, it's significant. Uh, I mean, I think we also need to say what it's not. I mean, and, and it's not considered what they would say or call conclusive. Um, right. In order right. for there to be conclusive results, uh, considered conclusive, they would have to have a uh, full DNA profile. And to be clear, they've never had one in this case. Um, and and, if, and if, if you will, Tim, kind of take people out. This was in 1977 when this happened. Tell, tell everyone kind of a summary for those who may not be familiar with this case, although it's, 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 there's, there's a lot of, it got a lot of publicity at the time. It's gotten continued to get in publicity, but give everyone kind of a summary of kind of what happened and how, how this, this uh, suspect kind of got involved. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah. Just real briefly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, 1977 uh, when these crimes occurred. Um, it was, uh, I think, the first night of uh, summer camp, Camp Scott, for Girl Scouts from Tulsa who were there, and uh, three Girl Scouts from Tulsa um, were murdered that very first night. And um, they were uh, eight-year-old Lori Farmer, uh, Michelle Gousset, nine years old, and then 10-year-old Denise Milner. Um, they were found uh, the next morning by, by one of the counselors, uh, Carla Wilhite, and so that launched, uh, you know, a, a massive investigation, and it was just, you know, incredible, uh, heartbreaking news um, when it began to break in Tulsa, um, as you might imagine, just a very shocking thing, um, not anything anybody would ever expect, I mean, uh, but uh, from very early in the case, um, very early on, the, uh, the primary suspect who emerged was, as we mentioned uh, earlier, Gene Leroy Hart. He was, uh, he was a, uh, an escaped uh, convicted rapist. Um, he had been at large 
in that area, in the area of Camp Scott, which is near Locust Grove uh, in Mays County, had been at large in that area for about four years, um, living in and around uh, the area of the camp, um, which was close to uh, where he grew up. Um, he was known to frequent those woods um, and to be very elusive. Uh, I mean, law enforcement had not been able to, uh, to apprehend him. And so he was, uh, he was on authority's radar from, from day one. And then they were able to, to find some evidence that uh, strongly suggested, you know, that, uh, that he was in fact uh, involved. Um, this led in turn, and this is, I know it's a long story, but uh, yeah, just in a nutshell, it led in turn to a long manhunt and uh, a fugitive investigation. They were eventually able to, to track him down uh, and corner him in a, in a little cabin in the Cookson Hills of uh, um, Cherokee County. And um, so he was finally apprehended. He was brought to trial, but ultimately acquitted in this case. Um, a lot of people were very shocked by that. And uh, the ripples from it um, really are continuing to be felt today. But he's, um, he's always been uh, really the, the main suspect. And, um, you know, he never, uh, he never testified, uh, never spoke really publicly about it. And then he died again, another twist in the case, uh, just weeks after he was acquitted. He uh, collapsed uh, in prison, McAllister where he was uh, being held on unrelated charges, um, but he died uh, of a heart attack just very suddenly, um, just weeks after uh, being acquitted. So, uh, you know, just, uh, it's a case, a story that has twists, it has turns, it uh, has drama uh, and intrigue. And, um, and here we are 45 years later, you know, still talking about it, the anniversary coming up. And um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's about as, I mean, I, that was lengthy, I guess, but that's as, about as uh, good a nutshell version as, as I can give. And again, five years ago, uh, you were asked to kind of write this again, like so many things in journalism, we write a story here and a story here and a story here. And we never like bring the narrative all together. And so you were asked, uh, I want to say it was the 40th anniversary, wasn't it? 40th. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that you, we ask you, yeah, we ask you to kind of write this from beginning to end. Uh, and you put together a series that not only was spectacular, um, I, I'm a huge Tim Stanley fan, but this was not only incredible reporting, incredible writing, uh, but at the time, uh, five years ago, we asked you to voice it and to, to uh, read this series out loud and uh, had a whole website uh, that we dedicated to it for the whole series. And you could listen to the story, you could read the story, uh, again, our, our great staff photographers uh, had some haunting photos of right. that place yeah. that has been shut down great since work. then. And uh, it was just amazing. And just, what was it, last year, or was it two years ago, uh, when, we at, when did we put that podcast together? Podcast uh, was early early last year. So Early yeah, last year. My timelines, my timelines are still oh, messed up. Oh, right. Yeah, so, I'm not familiar with you. <laughs> and so early last year, uh, our owners at Lee Enterprises were looking to launch a, a, a uh, podcast series that kind of looks at the most, you know, either cold cases, the, the most notorious crimes that have happened in, in the 26 states that our 77 properties were at. And so we pitched, of course, ours, because we already had you on, on tape. Uh, we, we already had the audio version of it, uh, and uh, they picked us to be the first kind of uh, first episode of this of this uh, new podcast. 
And come to find out uh, all this time later, it's still the most popular one that's been downloaded in that series. They've done other ones in Omaha and other places, uh, but you really uh, did an incredible job. I took the opportunity uh, to listen to it all again um, uh, on my travels. And again, uh, it's it, it, like you said, a lot of twists, a lot of turns. And so uh, this news coming out, of course, it's somewhat related because you just spent, I want to say, say it, it sounded like a whole day, Tim, being yeah. interviewed by ABC because they are going to be releasing a documentary about this case uh, on Hulu. Uh, talk a little bit about what, what's going on there. You bet. Uh, Four-part four documentary series uh, that ABC News has put together um, that should be coming out. Uh, we, we haven't had the official announcement of it yet, but we expect that uh, any time. But it, yeah, it'll stream on Hulu. I spent, um, they reached out to me, the ABC News crew, uh, you know, last year uh, when they were uh, planning this and set aside some time to interview me. And so we did, uh, I spent about eight hours with them one Saturday uh, there at the Tulsa World Newsroom. And uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, went over a lot of things in, in very fine and minute detail and just talking about the case and, and my own coverage of it. And um, yeah, they uh, um, they moved forward. They uh, you know interviewed a lot of people. In fact, they they told me, and you know this was very gratifying for me that um, you know it was it was our series that really kind of uh, put them onto this as a possible you know uh, multi-series feature for them. And uh, they told me that everybody who uh, who came onto their project team, which was dozens of people, everybody they they first asked them to read our series. Wow, that's and, awesome! Um, that's awesome. It, that was great to hear. And because um, you just never know, you never know how far the reach is with, with yep. a project like that. How far out there are we getting? But clearly, uh, we we did have some reach with this, and so. Yeah, they, uh, um, so what happened, uh, you know, as far as this, this most recent news, um, one of the interviews that ABC did was with uh, um, the sheriff, current sheriff in Mays County, and that's uh, Mike Reed. And, um, you know, they talked to him. It's notable because Sheriff Reed has declined uh, in the past, and he's been in office since 2012. He has declined to talk about that case publicly. Um, and just to give you a little context, which he provided to me, and which makes a little more uh, sense of what uh, is going on here as far as this latest news. Um, he, when he was elected in 2012, uh, I think the Farmer family, uh, that's the parents of uh, one of the victims, Lori Farmer, um, approached him and asked him to, to relook at the case, mm -hmm. which was a cold case. Um, nothing new, new with it in, in a number of years. Um, previous DNA testing had not, not really uh, gone anywhere, but he agreed to do that. And he really uh, was doing it just for them. He was doing it for the families. He wanted to get them some answers. Um, and so as part of that, um, of him relooking at the case, an effort was launched um, in, in Mays County, Locust Grove, Pryor, and uh, just some of the other uh, towns in the county to raise money uh, to fund new DNA testing. Mm -hmm. um, private, privately raised funds to get this done. And how that was done is they, uh, the sheriff, um, you know, he went to, uh, you know, people there and said, let's do this for these families. Let's try to get them some answers. So I think that's significant and something that's, you know, we should, um, should underscore is that this really was citizens. This was the folks there uh, in yeah. the county who wanted to get this done. 
So that did happen. Um, I think OSBI uh, partnered um, with the sheriff's office and they uh, prepared this, the samples. Um, several thousand dollars raised to get these tested through private lab. And um, so uh, Sheriff Reed, this would have been in 2017, trying to get my timeline straight here, is when they did the, uh, the fundraising and the uh, testing. They had results in 2019, which obviously that was one of my questions uh, for the sheriff is you, you've known this, you've had these results since 2019, so what gives? I mean, why, why didn't you guys go public with this before now? Um, and so what he said to me was, again, you know, he started out doing this, he wanted to do it for the families. And uh, when he got those results, he went to the families and he said, here's what we got. You know, we, we didn't get you know, the full profile, which, you know, for most people, that would be the smoking gun. That's still not there. But um, what they did have, he thought was significant enough to share with the families to give them some answers. But beyond that, he sort of just uh, he just left it with the families and didn't uh, didn't, um, you know, seek to make those results public. Again, they partial we're talking partial profiles. Right. Um, but uh, since uh, they were doing the ABC News documentary, uh, I think the farmers asked him, since they were participating, if he would share those results publicly, uh, first with ABC, um, and then he decided, you know, because he was doing that, he needed to just kind of put them out there for everybody. And so that's, that's what happened, and that's why that uh, kind of explains the timing. Again, yes, they've known this. This is not necessarily new information, but it, is, it has not been released publicly until last week. And it is, I mean, you know, to sum it up, I mean, it really does make the case uh, against Clark, really. I mean, it's just continuing to grow stronger with time. And these latest results, albeit partial profiles, you know, really still everything points to him. And um, so that's kind of where it stands. And um, yeah, that's so that kind of explains the timing on that and the relationship with the ABC News crew and that documentary. Well, Tim, take me back to this. As I said, but we, I want to get at the story behind the story here. Take me back to that day that that uh, you got assigned this story. What, did you know about it? Had you ever heard about it before? What was your assignment? Uh, what did they say when 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 your editors came to you and said to to do this? Um, kind of take me back to that moment where you got that assignment and what was going through your head. You know, I remember. Uh... I remember pit, I actually pitched it. Um, I, I was aware that the 40th anniversary, we were about a year out at that point. This would have been, uh, so 2016. Mm -hmm. um, I think Jenny, Jenny uh, Graham was a uh, uh, projects editor at that time. And I, I remember us having just kind of a round table to talk about uh, bigger projects that reporters could undertake just in the upcoming year. I said, you know, we got the 40th anniversary of this, this case coming up. Um, you know, it was a, it was a huge deal at the time, and it's still, the ripples, again, are still being felt. You know, there's still um, some very strong opinions uh, both ways about this case out there in the community and in the state. Why don't we go back and look at this? Why don't we, what if we take, we've got a year, you know, what if we take some time between now and then to just see what we might be able to accomplish as far as a project related to this? So it was a little nebulous at that point. We just knew kind of that we wanted to do something. I thought, you know, a multi-story series of some kind uh, yeah. sounded good. And um, and so that's that's kind of where it started. And then I just started poking around. My goal uh, initially was just, first of all, to find out, because um, I wanted to bring as many voices into this as possible. 
um, because that's one thing when, when you go back and, and you look, um, you know, it's, you know, we, uh, obviously the, the victims families, you know, they've spoken out um, through the years, they've been interviewed mm-hmm. and, um, but, you know, there are a lot of other people that were affected by it, um, that, that, you know, it's hard to find anything about them or, or yeah. just interviews with them. And so I wanted to start by getting the families on board, uh, first and foremost, um, had they not been on board, I would have probably walked away and said, I don't want to do this. Um, but they were on board. And then from there, just started expanding out and seeing who else we could find who might have some angle on the case. And uh, so after I, I, you know, probably within a few weeks of, of doing some of that cursory, uh, just poking around and, and a little research, I had decided that I thought we could uh, probably pull off a five or six story series revisiting the case from beginning and bringing it up to at that time, the 40th anniversary. And so I just uh, kind of keeping Jenny in the loop, you know, we began to, to have some meetings um, with photo and, and, you know, with them to start planning it out. Um, my initially just, uh, I, you know, as a side note, you know, we, two of the families, you know, participated. One of them, one of them, um, the Gousset family did not, although I did have a good exchange off the record with, with Dick Gousset, the dad, that they, uh, they had stopped doing media many years ago. That was their, just their family policy. Um, but the other two, uh, the Milner family and the farmers were on board with it. And the first thing I did because again, I wanted them to be comfortable with this and I wanted them to uh, just to, to trust me as the, kind of be able to put some trust in me um, as the guy who was going to kind of be spearheading this. So I went and met with each of them individually. I met with uh, Sherry Farmer and Betty Milner at their homes. And I just we just talked about the case. Again, this was not a formal interview. Um, but I just, I, like I told Sherry, I thought, you know, this is your chance if you want is to kind of interview me and just kind of get comfortable with me since you've agreed to kind of let me tell your story. And, um, so we laid some groundwork there that I think paid off as, as this went forward. I felt like I had some, some trust with them. And, um, and then, you know, we kind of went from there. We began to do some interviews with other people and, um, you know, just uh, we got we uh, very critical part, I think, and it didn't it didn't work out until very late in the process. We got access to to Camp Scott. We were able to get in there. I think that was I think a sense of setting is very critical with this story. I think well, we and, and it, it was shut down. I mean, it's not open to the public. It's not open to the public. No, so I, we, I, that's, I'm telling you, there were some haunting. Who was the photographer on that? Uh, Jesse Wodarski. That's right. Uh, went in with us. Um, we got the the current or the guy who kind of uh, I think manages the lease. It's the property part of it is used as a hunting lease now, and the rest of it's not used for anything. But basically, what haunting. You there, it's haunting yeah, it's been stuff. completely it's been completely reclaimed by the wilderness. You still have the ruins of some of these camp structures there. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, but it looks like you know. Um, yeah, something out of some kind of post-apocalyptic. Type it does. Set. It hasn't been. I mean, obviously, it hadn't been maintained. You know, right. it hadn't yeah. been in forty years. They never. They never had another camp there. You know, they shut it down after this. They just couldn't do it. I mean, you can't. I mean, really, yeah. if you think about it. Um, but I think getting in there was uh, was critical. And Jesse's uh, photography. I always love to give her a shout out. Um, you know, she. Because she did a couple of the, uh, the the family interviews with me too, and a couple of other interviews that she did video on, 
And um, I came to really, really respect her, her touch and just her eye. And, um, you know, she was great for this. Mike Simons also participated, did some great work. And then John Clanton kind of pulled all together. He's the guy who made the video, which you can, our folks can still watch. A uh, very, very good 12-minute video, I think, um, with some great interviews and, and scene setting in it. And great, very complements the, the, the text perfectly. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, there were so many things that happened over the course of that year, you know, pulling this together, the different interviews, talking to people. Um, that was quite an experience. It's not not like really like anything else I've ever done, you know, since I've been in this field. I mean, a lot of folks will probably be familiar with a lot of the World War II interviews I've done, um, which I'm very proud of. And uh, I guess in some there was I, I talked about some of the parallels and how some of that prepared me for this. I think sitting down and talking to um, veterans who are, you know, 70, 75 years removed from having experienced a very traumatic time in their lives, having lost people close to them, often in very violent circumstances. I, I think having interviewed folks like that and, and sat with them while they recalled these things actually helped me um, with this series because there is a way there's a sense in which it's it's very similar you're asking people to recall something in this case very traumatic that they experienced 40 years ago uh, again you know a lengthy period of time but which for them for the people is still very fresh i mean it's still yeah. oh, so sure. much of it's still so very real and the same thing was true with with the world war ii vets and um but yeah it was uh I, we were we were all very very pleased with with how it all came together the feedback was was tremendous it was amazing literally the number one thing on our website for for months and months still will spike up every once in a while you know once a year which, which uh, speaks to the interest that is still out there in this case well i and, will say that it speaks to the depth uh, i think you wrote this with a depth uh, that is not available anywhere else, Tim. I think that you were able not only to do your reporting, but you were able to to dive into our archive. I mean, that you know, we've got millions and millions oh, of stories uh, in our in our archive yeah. that goes back 116 years. That that what separates us from so many other people is I'm that glad we have that. that archive. That's an incredible resource, and and not just not just the stories. I found sources through doing that. I mean, I got with Doug Hicks, who did a lot of the. I mean, he did a lot of the original reporting, and we interviewed him for the series. But also, it was in that that I I found the name uh, a guy named Mike Wheat, who ended up being one of the most critical interviews in the series. And it was because I found his name in our archives. But he was a he uh, was uh, a reporter at the time with a weekly paper uh, in Pryor. It no longer exists now. It's called the Pryor Jeffersonian. But he had some access in this case, um, which was just uh, just incredible. I mean, he was you know, get too far off in the weeds, but he was able. He was actually on the scene that day. He was allowed past the police tape. Oh wow! And, and um, because at that time they didn't have. Um, and I think it's this way in, in, you know, more rural counties, they, they would call on a member of the local paper to come and shoot crime scene photos for him. Well, he got the call that morning, you know, uh, uh, Mike Wheat with the local weekly. And so he was able to talk about that. He was able to put us in his shoes on the scene, looking at these, you know, these, uh, uh, these little girls. And, and he described that. And he, he, I just remember Mike's hands shaking as he talked. 
Um, he got teary-eyed. I mean, we're 40 years removed from this, and clearly in his mind, it's like it's yesterday. Yep. And, yep. and the only reason I knew about Mike was because I found his name, just a, a reference in one of the stories in our archives from years and years ago. I called him up, found him you know, in the uh, phone book, called him up, and he said, you know, no one's ever asked me about that. No one wow. has ever called and asked me to tell that story. He said, yeah, I'll help you out. You know, he said, I've been in your shoes. You know, we're journalists. Um, but he and, and incidentally, Mike uh, um, is one of the guys they interviewed for the ABC series. So if you watch that, you'll get a chance to see him telling the story again. But again, it's because, I mean, it all goes back to, you know, the archival work. And, um, you know, otherwise, who knows, Mike, uh, Mike, Mike, not have ever told his story. Well, it goes back to your reporting. Uh, it goes back to your professionalism as someone who, uh, you know, one of the things that we do, Tim, is that we get to. Uh, get to the bottom of stuff. Uh, we get to keep looking. We get to search. We get to research. Uh, and uh, as I said, um, your series, I think there's a reason uh, why uh, if anyone's considered an expert on this, it's you. And again, we're, we're really lucky here at the Tulsa World. This is what separates us. I mean, you, you, can, you can talk about the Tulsa Race Massacre and guess what? Randy Crable. Uh, is mentioned as one of the people, again, a reporter who has done all that work, written a book, uh, about the race massacre. Um, and he was in every documentary there was when that was happening uh, for the 100th anniversary last year. Uh, not surprised when we got the call up from ABC to wanting to include you in this and work with them to, to make this happen. Um, as I said, this series will be coming, this document, uh, documentary series is going to be coming out on Hulu here uh, pretty soon. Well, of course, uh, it's, it's into May. Is that right, right now, Tim? Uh, we're looking at, uh, I think, what we've been told, May 24th is the target okay. date for the release on Hulu. I think, you know, probably if folks want to follow us, I mean, we'll probably be reporting on Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We so, will we'll report that. And also, we're going to put back out there your series online at TulsaWorld.com. We'll also put back out the podcast series so people can listen to it on Apple, uh, Spotify, Google, all those things. We'll put that back out there as well. Um, and because, again, if you, if you don't know this story, uh, I, I say this a lot about what we do. If you don't know this story, you need to read it. Um, and because, again, you went to a depth that had never been done before, a narrative uh, just like you do. You mentioned your, your World War II series where you profiled the heroes in our community uh, for years now. Uh, we made a, we come up, put a book together with a lot of those in it. Um, and, Tim, you, you write uh, – uh, I said you're one of the best writers we got. It's not even it, – it's, it's, it, we are so lucky here to have people with your veteran um, experience, uh, with your talent. Uh, and just like you mentioned, you know, you sit down and let them interview you. That's, that goes to who you are and why you're different uh, than so many others. So, Tim, thank you for going back in time with me on this. Again, we'll be talking about this uh, uh, documentary series when it comes out. Uh, and again, uh, this, is, this is what we do here. Um, we do important work. And again, for those families uh, and for our community, you, they need to know the stories of what have what really happened. And I think that's what you did in your series, what you did in the podcast, and I think what's this 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 series from ABC is going to do as well. When we when we know what really happened, and we get closer to the truth, we might actually find the truth. So yeah. uh, really appreciate it. Have been. Yeah. Absolutely. Tim, thank you so much for your time today. We thank will, uh, again, follow Appreciate up on the description of this podcast. We'll put the link uh, to that video. He talked about the John Clinton put together with Mike Simons and Jesse. Uh, and where you can watch time. that. 
kind of a mini documentary, if you will. That's one of the best things we've ever done, along with the link to the series, a link to the latest story that has the DNA evidence, uh, the news of that. And then, of course, we'll let you know when the, the document series comes out. Tim, thank you very much for your time. Again, this is thank the you. Newsroom Podcast. This is available on Apple, Google, and Spotify, where I, I, as the editor of the Tulsa World, a very, very lucky guy, get a chance to talk to people like Tim and find the stories behind the stories. Well, thank you very much. We'll see you next episode. Thank you.